This time I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1181. Just want to take a moment to thank Reverend Brummel for leading the services last Sunday on Mother's Day. Uh, thank you to the elders for giving me that Sunday off. It was much needed. And so, congregation, if you wonder uh, if your elders take care of me and my family, they do. Uh, they love us and care for us, and we're very thankful for uh, the opportunity that I had to get rest for, from last week. So, uh, thank you to the elders and for Reverend Brummel. Uh, this was going to be the Mother's Day sermon. So, first, or Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 to verse 7. And then we're going to jump to chapter 3, verse 10 and following. Let us now hear God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears... I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now please turn to chapter 3, verse 10 to 17. You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul was reminded of Timothy's sincere or genuine faith in Christ. Like Paul, Timothy was called to gospel ministry. He was called to be a minister, and he served in churches, particularly churches in Ephesus, where there was much idolatry. You had the Temple Diana there, so he was a young pastor where there was much perversion in society there uh, with the temple. And Paul urged him frequently to persevere in the faith. He urged Timothy to stand firm with what he was convinced to be true. 
Timothy, my brother, my son, he would call Timothy, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. But a passage like this, we sometimes may want to ask the question, well, what was his spiritual journey? How did Timothy get to where he was? And Paul addresses that. Paul addresses Timothy in a way, by, by way of reminder. Timothy, remember these things. Remember. Remember where you came from. Remember your spiritual journey. How did you become a minister of the gospel? Who did God in his providence use to influence, influence you, even from your earliest of days? Timothy was influenced, certainly by Paul. But he had a Christian mother and grandmother who also influenced him. And Paul mentions them by name in our passage. Lois and Eunice. We see here, firstly, that from one generation to the next, we have faith. Faith in Christ that is passed along. This faith, Paul says, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Faith first dwelt in Timothy's grandmother and mother. What kind of faith was this? What kind of faith do they have? There are scholars today that believe that perhaps Paul is referring to faith in the God of Israel, that the grandmother and mother of Timothy had a faith in the old covenant God of Israel, that they have not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament? Did they believe in the Messiah? Or were they still waiting in faith for the Messiah? Well, let's interpret Scripture with Scripture and turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. In this passage of Scripture, Luke, the author, is now writing about Paul's second missionary journey. And he says this at verse 1 of Acts chapter 16. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Here it says that Timothy's mother is a Jewish woman who was married to a Greek man. And Luke indicates that this Jewish woman was a what? A believer. A very important word, especially used by Luke in his writings. Because when he talks about a believer, he's talking about a believer in who? In Jesus Christ. A believer in Jesus Christ. The word believer in Luke's writing was designated for the Christian. A person who believed in Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus. 
It seems clear that Eunice was a Christian believer who trusted in her Messiah, who was crucified on the cross for sinners and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Therefore, Lois and Eunice were the remnant of Israel that the prophets spoke of. The remnant of Israel who would trust in the Lord Jesus and the elect of God. For example, if you're taking notes, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. The remnant of Israel will be saved. And we see in the early church, many of these Jewish believers came to faith through the preaching of the gospel, and the apostles and prophets would use what? Old Testament scripture to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the son of David. They preached the resurrection over and over again. Here we have a mother and grandmother who trusted in Yeshua, Jesus. Timothy's father, on the other hand, was a Greek, and it appears that he wasn't a believer or even a God-fearer. A God-fearer was a Gentile person who believed in the God of Israel. He doesn't even appear to be even a God-fearer because Timothy was not circumcised. Now, it's very possible that Lois and Eunice were converted to Christ during Paul's first missionary journey. For example, at Acts chapter 14, if you're still in Acts there, Acts chapter 14, verse 8. Notice Paul and Barnabas at Lystra, the same place where they saw Timothy. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what he had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Perhaps Timothy's mother and grandmother were among those who believed, who heard the preaching of the gospel there by Paul and Barnabas and others. But in Lystra, what happened was outside agitators, outside Jewish agitators came from various cities into Lystra and they stoned Paul. They stoned Paul and carried him out of the city believing that he was dead. So it's very possible that Lois and Eunice were converted through the ministry of Paul, but we don't know for certain. Does it matter? At the end of the day, they heard the message from a messenger, and they believed. They trusted in the Savior of sinners and the Lord of life. This is Timothy's mother and grandmother. This message of the gospel spread throughout the whole Roman world through messengers ambassadors of Christ. Friends, God uses men and women to influence his people, influences people in the Christian faith. And generations have a starting point, don't they? I think about my own 
background. At, the, at my conversion, what did God do? He began a new generation of Rossies who would hear the gospel, be part of the visible covenant community, and are called to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved from one generation to the next. Grandmother, mother, Timothy. These influencers, secondly, are instruments of God. Instruments of God. If you turn with me to chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Continue in what you have learned, because there is falsehood out there. There are liars out there. There are persecutors out there. There are those who don't desire to live a godly life, and they'll persecute you, Timothy, for living a godly life. But as for you, you, Timothy, you, Christian, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. He exhorts Timothy to persevere in the truth, continue in these things, that he has learned and has firmly believed. Friends, it's one thing to learn something. It's one thing to learn something. It's another thing to learn something and to firmly be convinced of it and believe it. Would you agree? It's another thing to learn and to be firmly convinced in the inner man that the things that have been learned throughout the course of your young life, children, teenagers, young people, it's one thing to learn all of these truths. But what does it matter if it's not internally believed? Where you're convinced of it. You take hold of it. A person can learn the sacred scriptures in the home or in the church or even in a Christian education environment, but the individual may not have a firm conviction or firm faith in the gospel. For example, we recited the Apostles' Creed. We confessed the Apostles' Creed. How many of you have learned that from an early age? How many of you believe it? Not just up here, but right here. When you confess it, does your heart swell up and say, yes, this is true, I believe it, praise be to God? Or is it just rote, mechanical, something that you say with just your mouth but hasn't impacted your heart? Paul is saying, be firmly convinced of what you have learned. Be firmly convinced of what you have learned from me. Take, for example, the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 1, that beautiful question and answer, boys and girls. You've learned probably to memorize in Sunday school. Do you have that comfort? Or is it something you've just learned to recite to appease your teacher? or your parents? Are you firmly convinced of it? There's a big difference, isn't there? 
There's a big difference. Oftentimes, the confession of faith portion of the liturgy becomes rote or routine without thinking about what has been confessed. And I have to confess, I do that too. Paul urges Timothy to persevere in the teachings. Persevere in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Where did he learn it from? Well, look at me at verse 10. You, however, have followed my what? Teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering. Paul was a model for Timothy in faith and life. He was... Timothy's spiritual father. And Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. Paul was an instrument, an instrument, a preacher and missionary to the Gentiles, an apostle of Christ, a minister of reconciliation. He spoke the very words of God and he urged Timothy to withstand the powers of evil and darkness to withstand the powers of false teaching by standing firm to his teachings. Not only that, God also used Timothy's grandmother and mother as instruments. But as for you, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood... You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That word childhood is also used by Luke in his gospel, and it can be translated infant or babe. And it can even be used as the word fetus. From the earliest of age, Timothy was raised in the sacred writings, that is, the Old Testament scriptures by his Jewish mother and probably his grandmother in the home too. Traditionally, that's what would happen. The grandmother would come into the home of the son or daughter. This has been true in the culture that I came from. Grandmother or great-grandmother would come into the home and we cared for them. From the earliest of days, Timothy learned the sacred writings. This means that from infancy or birth, he received a Jewish education, a Jewish religious education in the home by Eunice, his mother. Although Eunice was married to a Greek, she faithfully continued the tradition of the Jews to educate her son in the Jewish faith. Timothy probably went to the synagogue to learn before he could even speak or choose right from wrong. He was taught what is commonly known as the word and works of God. That was, that was the theme of Jewish education for children. Raise the children so that they know the word and works of God with the ultimate aim or ultimate goal that they would fear the Lord. 
So you teach them what God's word is, you teach them what God's, God has done, and you teach them, therefore, fear the Lord. He is the beginning of wisdom. And when they got older, they learned about Jewish history, the Jewish context. For example, Exodus chapter 10 and 12. And 12, Exodus chapter 12, the Passover. When your son or daughter asks you why you're doing what you're doing, you tell them, the Lord saved us from the hand of Pharaoh. He delivered us from bondage and slavery. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and 6, bind these things around your neck. Teach them to who? Your children and your children's children. Timothy was schooled in the sacred writings. And in God's providence, in God's providence, through that education in the home of Holy Scripture, here comes messengers of Christ with the gospel who are doing what? They are instruments in God's hands to proclaim a message of the fulfillment of sacred scripture in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In the word and works of Jesus Christ. Timothy received a good biblical foundation that prepared him to hear the word of the gospel and to receive it with a firm conviction of faith. For the Jewish scriptures, friends, now listen carefully, the Jewish scriptures are the Christian scriptures. Because they point to the the promise of God's grace in the coming Messiah who is the son of David. The promise of the gospel in Genesis 3 as we heard last week in that first gospel message. God uses people as instruments. Timothy was discipled by his mother, grandmother, and by his spiritual father, Paul, and probably Barnabas and others. But notice, lastly, the means of God's grace. Lois and Eunice, Paul, they greatly influenced him. They heeded God's command and instructed Timothy in the word of the Lord, the Holy Scriptures, and what a profound impact they had on his life. But that said, they were just instruments. They were instruments. They couldn't take God's word and plant it deep in the heart so that he firmly is convinced of it. It was the power of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit to take hold of his heart, convict him of sin, and turn to Jesus with a sincere, genuine faith. These sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It is the Scripture, the Bible, 
where the Holy Spirit works through the written word of God to bring about true conversion in the soul. His mother, grandmother, Paul, they are not God and they don't have the power to transform the heart. God does. And this is similar to what Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 1 where he says, some preachers do what? They plant. Some preachers do what? They water. But who causes the growth? God. God causes the growth. And God stirred up in Timothy by His grace through the preaching of the Word, a living and active faith. That said, it's imperative that the mother instill in the child the truths and principles of Scripture and appeal to the child to fear the Lord. Trust Christ. And so Paul, Lois, and Eunice, they are secondary or subordinate to what? The Bible. To the Bible. Scripture, which is God-breathed, because only Scripture makes one wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul, therefore, says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, complete, equipped for every good work. The means by which we grow in faith is through the Word, the living, active Word of God, which is sharper than any double-edged sword. How should Christian families, how should mothers influence their children? How should fathers influence their children? How should the Christian community influence one another? How do adult believers in the congregation influence young children in the congregation? I'm asking the same question for all of us. Because isn't Jesus the one who said, who is my father or mother or brothers or sisters? Timothy's father wasn't a Christian influence in his life, but Paul considered himself to be Timothy's spiritual father. Jesus says, aren't not those who do the will of God, my mother and my brothers and sisters? Christians are the family of God. And in Jesus' family, we have many fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters. And in fact, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would your, a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. In the home, Christian mothers influence their children, fathers influence their children by teaching the fear of the Lord and faith in Christ, by instructing them, disciplining them, correcting them when they go astray, appealing, them, appealing to them, that is, exhorting them to action, trust in Christ, confess your sins to the Lord. He will forgive you. He does forgive you. And ask his mercy and help to live for him. Model, show Christ. Show Christ and model wisdom. Pray. Pray. Younger people, I bet if you ask any senior saint here, 
about their prayer life. They probably pray a lot more now than they did back then. There's a saying, small children, small problems. Big children, bigger problems. You think problems go away when you get older? They don't. They don't. Senior saints pouring out to God in prayer because an adult child has walked away from the Lord. After years of raising the child in the instruction and admonition and discipline of the Lord, they shake their hand at it and want nothing to do with it. Again, we are influencers. Mothers are influencers. Fathers are influencers. We need to be on our knees praying because God brings the growth. God brings the growth. You know, on the one hand, it's very, very important that I say this. On the one hand, we take the calling of Christian mothers and their influence on their children very seriously creating a, a Christ-centered home and uh, an education for our children that is Christ-centered, word-centered. And so there's that calling for Christian mothers. On the other hand, there's the reality of living in a broken world, isn't there? We're not the norm. There's brokenness out there. There are broken families. There may be brokenness here. So many people from their infancy grow up without a Christian mother or a Christian father. What then? Well, the great encouragement is that God uses other instruments to bring to you and me the gospel. Because if God has you as his child, if Jesus paid for your sins on the cross and you are an elect of the living God, he will send a messenger to you he will send instruments to deliver the word of Christ, the gospel of Christ, so that you hear and become firmly convinced of it and believe. If you are in Christ and have not grown up with Christian parents, then you've had others feed into your life and influence you, as I've had many influence in mine. And I'm sure you can attest to many who have influenced your life. Whether it was from a Christian mother who planted and watered the soil of your heart, or a loving and caring Christian friend, or a pastor of a church, or an elder of the church, or a neighbor who was a Christian and loved you enough to show you the way to salvation in Christ. God caused the growth. Through his word, 
and by the power of the spirits. And you became a child of God. And if you are a woman who then bears children, God willing, will you start a new generation, not like the one before, where there wasn't a Christian witness, but no, you start a new generation where the home will be Christ-centered and word-centered. It is God in the, who is in the business of changing families, homes, lives, souls. And I would challenge each and every one of us to have an ear to the ground, an eye to see the things that Jesus sees in this world. How can you be an influence in the life of another person who does not have or share the hope that you have? How can you be an instrument of God? To not only share with your mouth the good news, but show them with your life. Model the Christian faith. I've said this before and I say it again. I, I love what the Bible says. I'm reminding you because you need to know this. <laughs> I love when Paul says that. Or Peter. You know this, but I'm going to remind you anyways. Sometimes the only Bible people will see out there in the world is your life. And so what are you going to do when somebody asks you for the reason that, of the hope that is within you? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to influence others and point them to Jesus? as Timothy's mom, grandmother, Paul, Barnabas, and many others influenced young Timothy as he prepared for gospel ministry. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace in our lives and for the work of the gospel in homes. We thank you for families represented here. Because of your grace, there are generations and generations of a family here that have known your covenant faithfulness and goodness. Father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, many, many generations of Christian homes. And yet these homes are not immune to the fiery darts of the devil and sin. And so may you protect and preserve the families of this church, these covenant homes. 
and that parents would stand firm in the faith and be diligent in instructing children in the way of Christ, teaching them to learn to love Christ and follow Him. And we give you thanks, O Lord, for families that have known your sovereign grace, perhaps for the first time. And these families begin a generation and after generation of the gospel and Christ in the home. Oh Lord God, we thank you that you use people in our lives to direct us and to point us the way to the truth, the way to freedom, the way to life, the way to Jesus, and to confront us when we go astray and wander like sheep because they love us. Oh, Father, we pray that we would be a people of God filled with your spirits, gripped by your word, and always ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us and to do so with gentleness and kindness. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.